Hello guys and welcome to this week's episode of Recovery Talk. So today we are going to talk about tummy troubles, gut issues, bloating, stomach pain, constipation, all of these things. Basically digestive issue troubles in recovery. I get asked this all the time and I think it's a little bit taboo to talk about as well and that's of course why we are going there. So what I want to make you guys aware of, and I know some people may know this already, but for those who don't, restriction is very, very bad for your gut. Like really, really bad. So I'm not going to go in like very, very deep detail about every single little thing that's going on, but I'll give you like a very, um, you know, more of like a simplified explanation of what's going on. So essentially when you are restricting your intake, your body it, it needs to keep running, but on a very low amount of energy, right? And then it will down-prioritize certain functions that are being <laughs> useless, right? So imagine if you're restricting, right? There is less food coming in and your body realizes, okay, we can save a bit of calories here by slowing things down a bit. It makes sense. Why would your body waste a bunch of calories keeping your digestive system running when you're not really eating as much as previous. And yes, this also goes for those who are maybe in a binge restrict cycle. You're still restricting. There's still those elements coming in. Essentially, you may be experiencing something called reduced gastric emptying or slow down gastric emptying. And that basically means that when you eat something, the food is staying inside the stomach for a longer period of time. So essentially, the food is just staying in you for longer. And this is why you see a lot of people in recovery explain that they feel... They might feel very full physically, but mentally hungry, even though that can also go the other way around where someone feels physically hungry, but not mentally hungry. You know, hunger and recovery can manifest in so many different ways, but it is quite common that someone feels physically full quite easily or physically like their stomach is filled up, right? Because the food is staying longer in your stomach. Because it basically takes longer for the stomach to empty itself. Also, food takes longer to move through your digestive system so your gut motility is slowed down and again it makes sense because why would your body spend a lot of energy in keeping your digestive system up and running in full speed when you are not you know you're not eating as much you're restricting why would it waste energy on keeping things running your body is going to prioritize the absolutely most necessary functions and this is why a lot of people feel you know very bloated, they feel constipated, they feel like their tummy is just aching and they just don't feel good. And in recovery, this can be so complicated, right? Because you already have the mental aspects of not feeling good with eating, you know? And then you mentally don't feel good and then you have physical symptoms as well. And then you're like, well, this does not feel good mentally or physically, this is not very nice, not very pleasant experience. And a lot of people who experience bloating will say that they quote unquote, feel fat and they will confuse the fact that there's actually food in their stomach system they'll confuse that with actual real weight gain especially body fat gain and obviously if you are very constipated you've eaten a lot and there's more food laying in your stomach and system and you step on the scale obviously that food has weight you know food has weight whether it's outside your body or inside your body it's gonna have weight that doesn't necessarily equate to actual body mass gain so if you are weighing yourself after like a binge session then obviously that's gonna show on the scale that doesn't mean that it's your body composition has changed there is a limit to how much actual body mass you can gain 
overnight and that limit is quite low. It's a little bit higher in the absolute early stages of recovery, but in general it is quite low. Like we're talking a few hundred grams, right? We're not talking 10 kilos overnight as some people think or feel they're experiencing. So overall these digestive symptoms cause this extreme like mental and physical discomfort. And because you feel this discomfort and in general, us human beings, we're not very good at sitting with discomfort. We want solutions. So <laughs> the answer, of course, is kind of just to trust the process, accept that your digestion might be a bit off in recovery and that it will eventually get better. That, of course, would be the solution, right? No, <laughs> the eating disorder have a very strong tendency of jumping in and blaming what is caused by the lack of food on the presence of food. That's why you very often will hear people in recovery who start cutting out, you know, they start cutting out bread because they blame it on the gluten, right? And don't get me wrong, there are people who can't tolerate gluten, for example, people with celiac disease, right? That is completely true. But if you've never had any issues with that before your eating disorder, and now suddenly you start blaming all the foods, maybe it should be questioned a little bit, right? Because eating disorder tends to jump into anything that means taking away food, when actually there could be that the solution would be to add in more foods. And I understand this can be difficult, especially if you're experiencing crippling pain and you're terrified of anything making it worse, right? And this is why some people working with a dietitian can be helpful here, but please, please, please be aware that some dietitians, <sighs> especially if they're more like uh, not as educated or experienced with eating disorders, they're not always aware of how restriction impacts the digestive system. And they, I've heard times where they have suggested things that's very counterproductive, for instance, eliminating a bunch of foods because they don't really take the element of food restriction into it. So yeah, it's normal that people experience reacting to foods that they maybe haven't reacted to before. And it's not like all is in your head. For example, some people may experience that due to restriction, they develop something called secondary lactose intolerance, which is basically where someone who has not had lactose intolerance before or primary lactose intolerance, they start reacting to lactose and their body basically stops being able to digest lactose. But the thing is, in the case of secondary lactose intolerance, actually keep introducing the lactose and reteach your body how to digest it and keep eating and giving your body enough energy to repair its digestive system would be a better solution than totally eliminating it. Whilst if you're someone who has primary lactose intolerance, where you genuinely have lactose intolerance, eating disorder or not, then of course the solution would be not to consume lactose. What's very interesting is that the people that I know with genuine lactose intolerance, they're often very reckless, you know, they will eat ice cream and just be like, well, if I die, I die. <laughs> no, not die, but like, they'll just kind of take the consequences of it. Whilst people who have eating disorders, they tend to be absolutely petrified of eating something that they may be intolerant to or allergic to in any way. Nobody takes their intolerances, whether real or not real, as seriously as people with eating disorders, especially those who are more in like the orthorexia spectrum. The amount of times I've been, you know, with, with some of my lactose intolerant friends and we're eating ice cream and they're just like, you know, <laughs> we'll see what happens. <laughs> Not necessarily advocating for this, by the way. I'm, I'm just saying it as an observation. This is not me saying, if you have lactose intolerance, you should just go and eat a bunch of ice cream. <laughs> Again, I'm just observing a very common behavior I see in people with lactose intolerance and also how a lot of people eating disorders tends to be extremely scared of eating something that may upset their stomach compared to people 
without eating disorders. And yes, none of us wants to be in pain, but sometimes part of that fear, sometimes part of that fear could be rooted in the eating disorder or like control or this thing like not wanting to feel like you ate something wrong or broke some rules, right? Or were bad. Because again, there's a lot of moral tied into this. Whilst other times it could just be a genuine wish, wish to protect yourself from being in discomfort, which is understandable, of course. But be aware of the solutions that seem the most tempting to you. And maybe also question, why do some of these solutions seem more appealing and tempting to you than other solutions? Why is it so more tempting to blame the bread rather than blaming the extreme restriction you put your body under? So I think what is important for me to say is that no, it's not all in your head. Yes, there is a bit of a tendency that some people with eating disorder will tend to hyper-focus on internal symptoms, right? And I see a lot of people with eating disorder having some kind of like OCD, hyperfixation with bodily cues, health anxiety, etc., etc. These things commonly overlap, where you're almost like hunting for something to be wrong in your body and you're just excessively focusing on your digestive system. And could be that completely normal thing, such as our stomach being a little bit more bloated after we eat, which is just how stomachs work, you know? Stomachs expand when we eat, that you kind of demonize these things and you're like, oh my God, I struggle with bloating, I need to heal my gut. But despite that, despite that tendency towards that hyperfixation, there is some genuine, genuine things going on that makes some people or many people in recovery experience various forms of digestive distress. So I mentioned, you know, the gut mobility and gastric emptying. And of course, there are other things as well. Bloating is a big one. So basically, it's happens for quite a few reasons, right? So the things I mentioned, but then there are other reasons as well. So for example, obviously when you are eating more, your stomach is going to expand because the food needs to go somewhere, right? And it's not going to just go straight through you, especially not if you're already experiencing a delay, a slower gastric emptying and that the gut mobility slow down, of course. So essentially just having more food in your stomach and system is overall a common reason for, you know, feeling bloated. But do also remember that some extent of bloating, your stomach being, you know, expanded after a meal is actually just normal and part of having a body. And I think diet culture wants to tell us it's not, you know, and there are a few like gut healing coaches that are making a lot of money by pathologizing completely normal things. But of course, the extreme form of bloating that you may experience in recovery is not something that you could be expected to experience the rest of your life, in most cases, at least. Yeah, things basically food more food in your stomach, the food stays there longer, but then there's also your body maybe reacting more to food. So for instance, you may feel more gassy because your body is just not as good at good with this digestion, this digestion thing that it used to be. For instance, like I mentioned, the example would be, you know, suddenly your body starts reacting to dairy products and haven't done that before, right? Your body might start being more sensitive and your stomach might be more sensitive to things that you previously weren't sensitive to. This is quite common. Then you also have water retention, which I've spoken about in the previous episode. Water retention, for some reason, it's just like really demonic because it loves to stay in the areas that people with eating disorders often find the most triggering for water retention to stay at. One of those areas being the gut. And I mean, water retention, it does make sense though. You know, there's a lot of healing going on, right? There's a lot of healing going on. Your body retains water. It does make sense. But it's of course still can be triggering experiencing that you're retaining a lot of water and it is in your abdominal area, which is an area that a lot of people with eating disorders have insecurities around. And then you combine that with the bloating that's already there. It's, it's, it can be very triggering. And then of course, it is normal 
to have a slight, slight disproportionate weight gain in early recovery, where the body will tend to prioritize saving uh, body fat in the abdominal area. I mean, it makes sense, doesn't it? It makes sense. This is an area where you have like a lot of very essential organs, you know, making some cushioning for those organs. It does make sense. It is a very important area. And this is normal and the weight will spread out eventually. Very often people with eating disorders tends to overestimate how much abdominal fat they have and remember and forget that it is actually a completely part normal part of having a body is to have abdominal fat some people have more than others that's okay but it is also true that uh, experiencing a slight disproportionate amount of waking in the abdominal area and for this to even out later that is also a thing that's happening and then as i spoke about in last episode a lot of people with eating disorders have a tendency of over consuming low or zero calorie beverages such as diet coke or various fizzy drinks water tea etc etc and i mean if you're chugging down on diet coke which is a fizzy drink obviously you're going to feel quite more bloated than if you didn't so this could also for some people um you know create uh create more bloating and then another thing that i see a lot of people with eating disorders is you know, a tendency to excessively consume vegetables or zero or low calorie sweets, for example, like sugar-free gum or um, sugar-free pastilles, pastilles, I don't really know how to say that, pastilles, I think. This is also a very common disorder behavior where you are chewing uh, several packages of gum, you're chugging down on Diet Coke, of course, this is going to contribute to more bloating because of, you know, in gum, there are certain sweeteners that can create digestive distress. And then you're excessively drinking beverages, which obviously also need to go somewhere. And I mean, it stays in your stomach before it goes through your bladder, right? And even in your bladder, you know, there's going to be some feeling of like fullness here when you're taking in or chewing a lot of gum or eating a lot of sugar-free pastas with those sweeteners that can be a trigger for bloating. If something on the packaging says that excessive consumption can have a laxative effect, that is essentially a good indicator that it can trigger bloating or just digestive distress in general. For example, extreme stomach pains. Oh, I see this a lot of people who, for instance, they get so excited because they found a low-calorie, sugar-free uh, type of sweets and then they consume the whole bag and then they have a crippling stomach pain. And of course, the healthier thing to do there would be to just have the goddamn sweets with sugar. Be aware of some of these like diety foods that could actually cause some stomach upset. And yeah, also, as I mentioned, you know, excessive consumption of vegetables, filling up on fruits when you actually want the ice cream. These kind of things can also worsen bloating because essentially you are consuming excessive amounts of fiber. And all this is so common with people eating disorders, but they will consume excessive amounts of fiber when because they, they think this is like the, you know, healthier thing, you know, because fiber is constantly being portrayed as this very healthy thing. And don't get me wrong, we need fiber. Fiber is great. But if the consumption is just extremely excessive, then that can be quite heavy on the digestive system. And it could be that the lower fiber option would be better. So for example, instead of having the whole grain pasta, actually having the white pasta could be healthier. Or instead of having the oatmeal, it could actually be healthier to have some cornflakes. Healthier meaning, you know, better for your digestive system and better for your body and better for your mind because especially if you have some of these higher fiber foods as safe foods actually challenging uh, challenging them and challenging you know the fear foods if the fear foods are like lower fiber foods very very helpful you want to challenge those fears 
And this does not go for everyone because I also know there are some people with eating disorders who are terrified of eating, you know, higher volume foods. And they will instead just eat the most energy dense, smallest foods they can find, basically. So if that is you, then of course, this advice might not be appropriate. But I see a lot, a lot, a lot of people eating disorder that would just eat extreme amounts of fruit and vegetables and then wonder why they feel so bloated. Like I'm not even in recovery, but if my dinner was just like 70% vegetables, I would feel very bloated and I would feel very physically stuffed without actually being full, you know, because your body can sense if you're filling up on broccoli versus if you're filling up on, let's say, pasta. You are not tricking your body. You think you are, but you're not. So be mindful if you are someone with the proneness to fill up on low calorie things, whether that is fruit, vegetables, whether that is, you know, diet coke, chewing excessive amounts of gum, this can also contribute. And it could be better to just eat the energy dense foods that you really crave. And also one thing that can make it a lot better is to, you know, there's no reason why you need to wear skinny jeans when you are feeling extremely bloated. Like, it's just not a good idea. Wear something loose and comfortable. Trust me, you do not want something that's excessively tight-fitting or, you know, constricting you when you are being bloated and in recovery. It's not good, it's not physically comfortable, and it's also not very good for your body image. And also avoid weighing yourself when you are, when you know that you are stuffed with food and you know that's going to create a larger number on the scale, you know, you may be experiencing water retention, etc, etc. There's no reason to step on the scale and make yourself feel scared, you know. Some people preach, oh, you should actually step on the scale to see the number and be comfortable with it. But I would actually say that this is kind of risky behavior if you are in early recovery. And I don't necessarily think people need to weigh themselves like ever for the rest of their lives, unless it's like for some reason medically necessary. For example, if you're someone who's quite underweight and you need to actually make sure you're getting weight, you know, in those cases, I, I can understand it, but I kind of disagree with some practitioners who think that their clients should weigh themselves throughout recovery to see the number, to like expose themselves, of, uh, expose themselves to that fear. I think that's quite risky and unnecessary behavior. But I mean, I guess it's okay to agree to disagree either. What I very often see is that if I have clients who they are not weighing themselves throughout recovery, but they do actually end up weighing themselves in some future point, maybe they went to a doctor appointment and they'll be recovered for a while. Very often what they notice is that even though they haven't exposed the fear towards weighing themselves throughout recovery, uh, they actually noticed that they handle seeing their number quite okay because they're recovered, right? They didn't necessarily need to constantly see that number in recovery to you know, recover. But anyways, that was a little bit off topic. But in general, I would say when you are, especially if you are in a vulnerable place in recovery and you know that you are quite bloated, constipated, maybe holding water, etc, etc. Stepping on the scale can be quite risky and probably should be avoided. You don't want to make yourself feel worse, right? Instead, be gentle with yourself. And also a thing that is quite important is to eat regular meals. I know I've spoken about this before in the binge restrict episode, how a lot of people with eating disorder, they tend to fall into this pattern uh, where they are kind of restricting throughout the day and then eating a lot at night, or they are having some days where they are restricting and then they have a few days when they eat a lot and it creates this like kind of like chaotic, <laughs> chaotic uh, signals to the body. Eat regular meals throughout the day. 
it is completely fine if you are experiencing a quote-unquote binge. I'm not in the camp where I think you should try and prevent yourself from that happening. What I think you should prevent is the restrictive behavior. So if you are binging, then it's so important that you do not compensate or restrict in any way, shape or form. And that even if you are waking up the next day and you're still stuffed, you still need to eat because you need to give your body regular energy. Tummy troubles in recovery, it can be so frustrating. And I know some people, you know, they use certain remedies, you know, some people might use probiotics or digestive enzymes. And like, I get it, these things can be helpful, uh, but also be aware that if the root cause is restriction, you also do need to address restriction. And for instance, digestive enzymes, I mean, it can be helpful for some, but also be aware that you do want to teach your body to actually produce these things naturally and digest without that support, right? And probiotics can be, it's, I mean, it's good for your gut health, but if the problem is not really your gut bacteria per se, then I mean, a probiotic not might be your savior if the root cause is restriction. And some people might report, you know, having some peppermint tea can be helpful. And again, I mean, if it helps you, there's no reason why you can't do it, but just be aware that you don't use these methods as a way to avoid the key root issue, which if this is something that co-occurred with your eating disorder, it is a very high chance that the root issue here is actually the restriction, that essentially the restricted behaviors have messed up your gut. So I think I addressed this in a previous episode about like constipation and laxatives. And I kind of was, I think it was a listener question or something where someone was asking about, you know, can you take laxatives? And I said that I would recommend being careful with it unless you have a medical professional that is you know, you're cooperating with this or is giving you supervision. This does not mean that all medical professionals are perfect and always give reasonable advice. But overall, I just want to discourage people from, you know, going there and self-medicating with laxatives. Because again, it is completely normal to experience constipation in recovery. Things are really, really slowing down, as I explained earlier. And it can be quite tempting to then, of course, use some laxatives. And especially if it has been a long time since you've been to the bathroom, you know, it can be very tempting. And in some cases, it might be something that you should do. But please talk to a doctor when doing this. And again, focus also on the root issue. There is so much literature in science about eating disorders and gut issues, and especially the association between eating disorders, disordered eating, and IBS or IBS-like symptoms. And IBS is a completely real and valid condition, or essentially IBS is actually used as kind of like a, uh, like a, a, a catch-all diagnosis when someone has gut issues that they can't really explain by other things. So I think what's important to say here is that if you're experiencing what you might be perceiving as IBS, it could be that this could be a result of your eating disorder because we know that actually I read somewhere that there was actually a majority amount of people with eating disorders who were admitted to hospital actually fit the diagnostic criteria for IBS. That's quite significant, right? But I think what's important here to be aware of is that if you have IBS, as a result of an eating disorder, then the treatment would be different if you had IBS as a result of something else. So going on an elimination diet could also then worsen symptoms, both of the eating disorders, maybe even also of the IBS. I've seen a lot of people going on like a gut healing journey and they end up with just more pain than ever. Because again, you're not targeting the root issue. 
if you're experiencing really, really crippling digestive issues to the point where it's really affecting your life and it's beyond, you know, the normal distress of recovery digestive issues, then I would strongly recommend you to work with a dietitian that is very knowledgeable about eating disorders. Please don't fall into the rabbit hole of elimination diets because you read something online. Please don't seek out the help of some random nutrition person online that clearly does not really know about eating disorders and digestive system and how it actually affects one another. Overall, if your practitioner encourages increased restriction or elimination when there's not really any like specific medical reasons to do that, then that is a big red flag. An eating disorder wrecks havoc on your body and that includes your gut. Your gut bacteria, your gut, you know, mobility, how things move, how things digest. Your eating disorder is just wrecking chaos on everything. And it's so important that you remember that this is the eating disorder, not recovery's fault. Because very often, because people start recovering, they're eating more, they experience that their symptoms worsen. You know, their digestive symptoms tend to be worse in recovery than when they were just in the depths of an active phase of an eating disorder, right? And then it can be so tempting to blame recovery and just be like, kind of like mad, like, okay, well, screw recovery. It's just making me feel worse, right? But here it's so important to remember that it often gets worse before it gets better. And it's so, 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 so important to have some patience and trust in the process. I remember in my recovery, I feel like I, I kind of escaped some of the worst digestive issues that I hear people talking about, probably because I was, you know, quite consistent with eating a high amount without letting, you know, restrictive sneaky behaviors jump in. Or I could just maybe been lucky, I don't know. But I, even though I escaped some of the worst digestive issues, I still remember that I had stomach pains, right? And especially like just feeling excessively full, yet also hungry in like some strange way. If you're in recovery or been in recovery, when I say hungry, not hungry, full, but not full, you will know exactly what I'm talking about. It's like this weird feeling of, oh my God, I'm full, but also your brain is obsessing about food, right? Or you might be put off by food, but you feel like you just need to eat. It's like a drive. These are very, very common experiences. Okay, guys, I hope this was at least a little bit helpful. If you're going through digestive issues in recovery, I know it's frustrating, but please trust the process, okay? And now I'm going to answer a listener question. So the question goes, Hi, Amalia, I recently found your podcast and it helped me to cope with my eating disorder a lot. There's one topic that I would love to hear about in your podcast. How can I eat enough when the first feeling of fullness causes me to purge? We'd love to hear your advice. Lots of love from Germany. First of all, I have so many German listeners and I really appreciate you guys. I do not know why I specifically have so many listeners from Germany, but I'm here for it. And yeah, this is a very good question. And I can also talk some from experience as well here because I had anorexia nervosa binge purge subtype, aka I would purge. And... That feeling of fullness can be difficult regardless of what eating disorder you have. But if you're someone with like a purging history, then that can, of course, add an other difficulty to it, right? Because you're used to using purging as a way to cope with that fullness. And do you know what? There is not necessarily any magical solution or spell <laughs> that can like take away that discomfort. Instead, what tends to be the most productive here is to 
improve your own tolerance for sitting with the discomfort as a way to break the habit. Because the thing with purging is that it can very often become a habit, not only like from your mind, you know, that you automatically just purge, right? But also like from your body, your body almost, I see sometimes people experience that they almost like the purging becomes almost automatic, like the body, they don't even need to like make themselves, um, you know, activate their gag reflex. It just kind of goes automatically, right? Because your body has become so used to it. So overall, a lot of it has to do with learning to sit with that feeling of fullness. And I know this is a bit of a boring answer. You kind of probably want me to say something a bit more <laughs> specific, right? Rather than, oh yeah, learn to sit with it. I know it's difficult. And honestly, one of the, some of the things that really helped me when I was going through this and I had urges to purge was to remind myself why not to do it. So for example, in my case, the purging caused a lot of issues, right? So for instance, it caused a lot of damage to my teeth. Uh, it caused a uh, source in my mouth. It caused, you know, I, I just didn't feel good, right? Like it did not feel good. And what can be helpful could be to write down the consequences of purging. Just to kind of remind yourself that it's not as rewarding as the eating disorder wants to make it seem like it is. And another big thing for me that kind of prevented me from purging when that felt tempting was to remind myself that when I'm purging, you know, essentially I'm kind of messing up the recovery process a little bit, right? Purging is literally like debt to your metabolism, right? You're essentially telling your body that food is coming in, but then suddenly the food is not there. You know, your body don't have energy to speed up the metabolism. Like my blood sugar would just be all over the place because it would be like, okay, I'm eating and then there's not food there. The body would just be so confused. I kind of reminded myself over how much it was messing up my body. So what I would recommend you to do is to actually write a list over reasons not to purge and have this list close to you write it as like notes on your phone or have like a physical list and you can look at when you feel those urges look at that list and also in addition to that think of a distraction activity is there something you can do when you have those feelings of fullness and you excessively want to purge to distract yourself and make purging impossible or at least harder to practically do for example could you maybe go play with the pets or maybe check your plants or do some gardening again be careful so you don't do like ex exercise activities because this can of course be very tempting but this can be another way to purge just without the actual purging you know but for instance certain like creative activities such as crafting could be helpful just anything to distract yourself when you have the urges to purge remind yourself how ineffective purging actually is all it does is messing up your metabolism, messing up your body. It is really, really not a good productive solution. When you're purging, you're essentially just maintaining a vicious cycle. And as you're listening to this podcast, I'm assuming this is a cycle you're looking to get out of. So again, I guess for me, the best advice would be to remind yourself of all the negatives of engaging in purging, write them down, have it handy. And then also when you get the urges, see if there is a practical way you can distract yourself from engaging in that behavior. Some might even find it helpful to call a friend, right? It's a little bit more complicated to purge when you are on the phone with your friend. I mean, technically it's possible, but it would be a little bit difficult. Maybe FaceTime would be better. I don't know. Or maybe even leaving the house for a bit could be helpful. Maybe going for a drive, for example, if you're someone who drives. Because overall, you want to make it more difficult for yourself to engage in that behavior to a point where engaging with that behavior loses its reward, right? Now I don't purge because I don't have any reason to purge why would i purge you know there's no reason for it and when you make purging the less appealing option with time it is something that will stop but you need to 
be quite you know strict with yourself in the beginning especially if it's become so ingrained where it's become a habit and also reminding yourself about some of these things so that i spoke about with fullness and bloating and all of these things this can be helpful information to remind yourself when you are in recovery so for example if you're feeling really bad with feeling full you can remind yourself oh actually things are moving a bit slower that's why i feel excessively full or of course i'm going to eat more than you know the people around me because i'm in recovery and my body needs a lot of food you know reminding yourself these things and have these little like almost like mantras can be helpful or like even affirmations you can call it you can even write them down so you have some recovery affirmations for yourself to look at so yeah think of ways to make purging the less convenient and less tempting option and use that in your recovery okay guys i hope you enjoyed this episode and i look forward to seeing you guys again next week